Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I just want to take a minute and talk about a product that we both love and use, and that is Simple Spectrum Supplement. Simple Spectrum is doctor formulated and third party tested, and they use only the highest quality of bioavailable ingredients. So it is free of all the junk and Simple Spectrum was designed with our kids and their sensory needs in mind. So it is unflavored dissolvable powder that is free of gluten, casein, added sugar, soy, Basically, it's everything you want and nothing that you don't want. Another reason why I love Simple Spectrum is because they are a brand that really educates and supports families, and they're putting out products that parents can trust. They also just recently came out with a fish oil that is awesome. I will say that we've been using Simple Spectrum for a while now, and when we first started using it with Logan, we really noticed a difference in his overall focus and attention, and that is something that the whole time we've been using it, we have continued to see the benefits of. So if it's something that you're interested in trying, you can go to their website. And if you use the code AIA at checkout, then you will receive free shipping on your order. So definitely, I totally recommend it. And like I said, if you want to try it, you can use the code AIA and you will get free shipping. Now on to the episode. everyone welcome to adventures in autism episode 157 i am megan carranza thank you so much for coming to listen if it is your first episode welcome so happy to have you and if you've been listening thank you so much for coming on back to the show and as always i just like to start by saying thank you so much to everyone who does listen and just supports the show and reaches out and it's it's just every every week every month (laughs) it just continues to blow my mind um just this community that over the past almost three years adventures in autism will be turning three at the end of this month um just watching this community grow and be supportive of each other is really amazing and it's why I continue to do this. So thank you so much. If you are enjoying the show and you would be so kind to leave a rating and review on Apple podcast, I would be so appreciative. I know I say that every week, but it really does make a huge difference. It really helps other people to find the show. And you know, my biggest thing with, with wanting people to listen and just to like grow this community is really just, I want people who are needing something like this to find it and it's always amazing to me how you know I have new listeners reaching out all the time telling me like I just discovered your show and I'm binging it and that makes me so happy because I just I know again I think about you know back in the early days when I could have really used a podcast like this and there just wasn't one out there so I so appreciate when you guys share if you are, you know, listening and enjoying the show and take a a screenshot and post it on your social media. That means the world to me, Um, really just all of it. So thank you. Thank you so much. And today's episode is actually with a listener. Her name is Lisa and Lisa and I, we connected um, on Facebook. She had reached out to me and I immediately wanted to hear her story because her son, Alex, is an adult now. He's 26. And she's just an incredible mother. There, we we get into a lot of it, but honestly, there's even more <laughs> that Lisa and I had talked about that we we didn't have time for on the episode. But truly, um, they just have an amazing story. And Lisa is one of the most devoted mothers I have ever spoken to, which is really saying something because honestly, every single parent, mother, father. Everyone I've spoken to on this show has been so incredibly devoted and loving and amazing for their child. But Lisa really did go above and beyond for her son um, just all throughout his childhood and, you know, continues to do that now, even though he's an adult. And what I love more than anything is that she does, she is obviously like so there for him, but she also just respects him so much. And that was one of the first things she said to me was that she, you know, wanted to be a guest, but she wanted to make sure that it was okay with Alex first because he, you know, he is an adult and we do talk about this on the show, but again, it's like our, our children, regardless of their age, deserve respect. And, 
you know, it's, it's their story as much as it's ours. And obviously our perspectives are different. So I, I just really appreciated that. And honestly, everything she shared, uh, one of the things that we talked about that I, I found really interesting, I think you guys will too, is just their kind of school journey and sort of the way that things kind of ebbed and flowed with Alex and they really like adapted and changed things and then changed back and just really did what was best for him. And I mean, you guys know, if you listen to the show, I'm constantly preaching that we need to meet our children where they're at. And I think that Lisa is, um, their story is just really a testament to that. So without further ado, I'm going to get on to the episode and here's my conversation with Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hi, Megan. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm, I'm so excited to chat with you. I, I, I know a lot about your story because you filled me in it quite a bit, but I'm, I'm excited to hear it from you. And I'm also excited because your son is an adult now. And like I was just telling you, I always love hearing the perspective of, you know, parents that have like been there, done that and are still doing it, but just in a different way now having, you know, adult child on the spectrum. I always think that's so interesting. So if you will kind of take us back to the beginning and, you know, share a little bit about Alex's childhood and, and what, what happened around the diagnosis, I would love to hear. Great. I love talking about Alex and uh, he's also, we talked about this before when you had contacted me, he has given me permission to talk about him because, um, I'm his guardian, but he's an adult and we give him decision-making power as it should be. So uh, he was all for it uh, because he actually said to me, if it can ever help somebody else, that'll be great, mom. So I think that uh, it's great that he speaks for himself. I love that. And I loved, I loved when you had told me that, that you wanted to make sure it was okay with him first, because I think you're totally right there there's that level of respect that you know everybody deserves and should get and it it doesn't always happen so i i think it's so important to make that distinction thank you he uh he teaches me so much more than uh i and his whole family could ever teach him he he just um always has something to say and facts uh, to impart to us. And so we try to treat him very respectfully. I love that. Thank you. Um, so Alex uh, was born in 1995. And um, to us, he was pretty typically developing. Um, now that I know what I know, I can look back on things. Um, he was a baby. He was just so easygoing. Uh, he did like to be held a lot in the very beginning, but I specifically remember when he was six months old. And again, we had no clues that early on that anything was going on, but we were, uh, we had traveled, uh, to see my family in Massachusetts and, uh, we had set up uh, a photographer to come to, um, my parents' house to get family pictures. And uh, so um, at that point, there was a lot going on in the house. And my quiet little Alex just cried the whole time. He could not handle it. Um, I mean, I, I have an older son. We have an older son. And so really thought I had the mothering thing down didn't know how to calm him, trying to give him, um, trying to nurse him to calm him down. Now that I look back and as I said, know all that I know, I think, oh, that was total sensory overload. Mm-hmm. New place. Um, uh, a lot of people talking, um, n- some new faces to him. Uh, anyways, um, It really wasn't until probably two, well, two years old. And again, there were, now that I know what I know, there were signs before then, um, probably could have uh, brought him to be evaluated at 18 months old, but I didn't know that then. Mm -hmm. You only know what you know. And he was two years old and 
I remember pushing him in the swing outdoors and his, I would say his eyes would roll back, but um, that's what it looked like to me. And I remember mentioning it to my mom and she said, well, gee, you know, I would have that looked at. And, and of course you can explain a lot away when you're nervous. And uh, long story short, waited a little bit more because he still was not, he was not talking at age two. And um, finally called the doctor uh, to get a referral. Um, and he was, he had an evaluation. Um, he was not even two and a half yet. And um there wasn't, I mean, he had hit most of his milestones. I mean, he, he crawled on time. He walked on time. Um, he just, he wasn't talking. Um, he, he really didn't engage with us too much. Uh, didn't engage with his older brother. Long story short, he was evaluated at um, a de developmental clinic that was held uh, at, at a local hospital. And uh, there was a, a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, a uh, speech therapist. Um, a, um, there was a, a specialty pediatrician. Sorry, prior to this, a month prior to this, we had gone in for a speech evaluation. Of course, we had gone through like the, the hearing evaluation, which he just couldn't even make it through. And the person evaluating him just didn't even know what to do with my son. And it was mm -hmm. very frustrating. Um, so I'm sorry, we, we had uh, the evaluation with the, um, the speech therapist um, in December of 1997. And she just said, I think we're gonna make a referral to the developmental clinic and he'll be seen by all these people. She is still a friend of mine to this day. Mm. And um, she said, she said, of course I knew, but I couldn't say that because, you know, that's not her area to diagnose him. So he was seen at the developmental clinic on January 27th, 1998. I think we all know that our days, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they told us that he had, um, um, I'm sorry, uh, pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified. And, you know, you kind of look at them like, what the heck is that? Mm -hmm. And I asked if that was autism and they said that it was. And my poor husband, because we had lived in, we had lived in Massachusetts. We had met there, but he's from Maine. And I, I looked at um, the evaluation team and said, do we need to move? Mm. Do we need to move right now? And, oh no. He can get all the services he needs. Things are going to be fine. And um, of course, I mean, you you find out things aren't so fine. Life was crazy. Anyway, Alex, um, um, he started all therapies right away. And um, we still didn't feel like it was enough. He was making progress, but we didn't feel like it was enough. And um ended up researching ABA and we had, we started uh, a home program for him and he made tremendous strides with that. And um, I mean, I could fill up a whole hour with all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, his first teacher. I went away for training. Um, other people came to our, uh, our home to, see our program and see if it would be okay for their child because he was the first in our area. Um, the closest, the next closest one was four hours away uh, to have a home ABA program. That's, so that was, that was a very busy time. Yeah. I, I mean, the fact that you um, really took that upon yourself, I mean, I feel like all mothers, like we have this like innate drive within us when it's like something to help our kids, but I think you definitely took that to the next level. It, it was just a matter of, listen, there was no information out there in 1998 yeah. and, and did uh, internet. No, um, I didn't even have a lap. Uh, laptops were just coming out. It, <laughs> I sound so ancient. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And um, so 
I would have people like the speech therapist gave me some articles, but some of the stuff I was finding was about refrigerator mothers and all that old stuff. And it was uh, very overwhelming. Um, I really do think that I knew I hadn't caused it, you know, with that whole refrigerator mother thing. But I we didn't go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't know what refrigerator mother is. You just oh. said, what is that? Oh my gosh. That goes back to the dark days of autism when, um, sorry, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna quote the author of these things because, um, I don't recall. I'd have to Google it. No, no. Um, but, um, it was a, 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 a term that they came up with when they couldn't figure out what autism was, um, that or what the cause was, which they still can't, but, um, oh, that must, that's from uh, mothers being very cold and uncaring to their children. Oh, right. Gosh. Right. Wow. Um, Wild. and that's some of the stuff I was reading. Um, and that was frightening. And I'm, I won't start a whole discussion about ABA because it's, <laughs> it's hard. I, I, I don't, I understand there's a lot of controversy around, around it these days. Uh, we never, I mean, we just entered into an ABA program because it, it was so structured and what we saw in front of us, we only knew what we knew was our child would be on the go for 16 hours a day mm-hmm. and he just couldn't settle himself. We tried endlessly to try to engage him and it was hard and we never entered into ABA thinking that it was going to be a miracle cure because it went on for years and we invested our whole family invested in that it literally was 24 7 and structure and let's give our child a predictable world Mm -hmm. so um if, if we fast forward to school years, uh, you know, we live in a, in a small town and um, everyone has been, it was very supportive. I, I, you know, people can say pros and cons of a, of a small town or a big city. Um, we just had wonderfully supportive administration and a special ed director um, and we, we all kind of learned together. I mean, they certainly knew their jobs. Um, but Alex was, I think, one of the first kids to go through the school system with an autism diagnosis. And um, they really just worked. We, kind, we all worked together. We really were a team. And um, if we would ask for, well, what do you think about trying things this way? Um, okay, let's try. Uh, there were certain things that you definitely had to, that we had to fight for. Um, But in the end, it was, it was really just everyone working together. Um, You know, early years are hard. You know that. Mm -hmm. Um, He had a one-on-one aid with him the entire time he was in school. Um, That was for learning purposes and for his safety because he, he would bolt um, and he, he, his, um, his home ABA teacher, his first one, she, she's the one who suggested pre-K and that was wonderful because we have a pre-K program here in our town that's, you know, in the school and, um, she got him started with that. That would be like two hours in the afternoon, um, when he was, I don't even think he was four yet. And then, cause you can go to pre-K when you're four. And then he got a full-time ABA teacher um, who came to our house every day between that teacher and, and I, we provided 35 hours a week of programming for Alex. And but it, um, she would go to pre-K with him in the afternoons. And then she went on to kindergarten with him too. And then after he was done with kindergarten, he had another uh, one-on-one aide who was with him for six years. And I can't say enough about her. She was wonderful to him. And I learned so much from her. Uh, I can read every book that's out there. And I learned more from her 
than I did from any book I ever read. Wow. Um, Because she had worked with special needs children for many years before she came to work with Alex. So she had this treasure trove of tricks in her bag. (laughs) And all I had was, oh, you know, the structure and this is what we need to do. And and she was really... um, She was really that cushion that I needed, like, okay, you need to, you know, I can do this and you can take a break (laughs) (laughs) and we've got this in school. And I have to say in the six years that she was with our son, she only called me twice to have to go to school because she handled every other situation on her own. She just, she, she did it. She knew what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, School's hard. I mean, school is hard for my child. There was a lot going on in school. There's so many sensory things going on. Um, elementary school. Um, I, I can't say that one was easier than another. In, in, in our, when Alex, um, so Alex was in the elementary school from, um, from pre-K to sixth grade. But then our school consolidated when he was going into seventh grade. So all the kids in our town would be in one school. Mm. And so um, when he was starting seventh grade, his aide um, went to work with another child. She would still be in the building. Um, And just long story short, um, there wasn't another aide for Alex. And so I had told you that I applied for the job and I had worked with him in the beginning when seventh grade was starting because they still hadn't found anyone. And after several weeks, kind of got in a groove and thought it was okay. And um, I applied for the job. And so I started as his one-on-one aide at school. And, you know, we all monitored the situation, make sure that Alex was okay with that as time went on. Um, Middle school is hard. Um, there's a lot more changing of classes. It's, I mean, you deal with the social thing all the way through school, I, you know, from kindergarten on. Um, we were very fortunate that um, just being in a small town that the classes were small. And so the kids in Alex's class Literally, the I mean, some come and go, but literally the, the children Alex started with in pre-K were with him until his senior year in high school. Oh, wow. So they just, they got to know him um, whenever, whenever um, accommodations were made in school, we'd try to involve the kids in his class. Let's say Alex had to be taken out for a certain subject to be taught one-on-one. Um, not every day, but sometimes if there was a special project, we, we take a couple of kids from his class and bring them into his learning area, uh, so that they could all interact and, and learn it at, at, they were learning at Alex's level, but they were great. (laughs) I don't know how else to put it. (laughs) Yeah. I think all kids need a break from intensive learning sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so if things were a little simpler going in to help out Alex um, and learn with Alex, then I'm hoping that was okay. I don't want to speak for any of the kids. Well, I feel like even if they maybe like academically, it wasn't, you know, as uh, challenging for them. I still think, you know, being with him and experiencing, you know, different people and just those relationships, I think is, is so beneficial. You are absolutely right. And every one of those kids was, they were just, they wanted, you know, they wanted to help Alex. They wanted to be friends with Alex. Um, I think I'd mentioned to you at one point um, in our previous conversations that Alex had this, token book and it was just these like you know plastic discs that you know were on velcro and early on in his education he would get lots of you know I mean he would always get praise but early on 
just to keep them on task and, and um, to engage in the lesson and to help him, you know, um, I hate to use the words get through things, but sometimes you got to get through things. Oh, yeah. um, oh, you know, he would get tokens for, um, uh, I mean, if he raised his hand, if he uh, stayed in line, um, if he um, did his worksheet. Uh, and when he got 10 tokens, he got to leave class. Mm. And for a kid who has a really hard time sitting in class. And this is, you know, regular education classroom. Um, that's great. And um, when he first started that program, I just specifically remember um, this is in the elementary school. He would, he get to go see the fish. There was um, a fifth grade classroom that had a huge fish tank, worked it out with that teacher ahead of time. Is it okay if Alex comes in to look at the fish and, um, so that was, you know, that was one of the rewards for getting 10 tokens, uh, and, or else he'd get to go to the library. Uh, it's all these little things that just added up over the years to, to help him. There was one of his accommodations. Um, and I just feel like it was so important that all the other kids saw that too. It really got, got to the point there were other kids in the class would say, Hey, can I get one of those books? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and because it's hard for our kids to be on all day in a school day. Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, so middle school, uh, there was more. I started that there were more changing of classes in middle school. Um, he did have his own learning area. Um, and so in. I think when we got to middle school, there was really, he would go to regular homeroom and there, there were one or two classes that he would participate in. Um, I was always there as his aide and he would have accommodations that I would work out with the teacher ahead of time. Even if he was, even if he was doing completely different work materials, um, if we felt that he could and we would ask him, you know, do you want to be in that class? Oh, yeah, I want to be in that class. Then he would go to that class mm -hmm. because it's beneficial uh, just to learn the whole social dynamics of what's going on. Um, Alex, um, you know, he he learned he started to speak when he was three years old. Uh, it really, really took. I have to say, because I saw it happen till he was about 16 years old before the processing of language would work. He could certainly express things and he had a huge vocabulary, uh, but being able to have functional language and process everything, um, that really took up, you know, into high school. Yeah. And so, so things were overwhelming for him. The whole social thing was overwhelming. Even walking through the halls with people saying hi to you because everyone knew Alex. Mm -hmm. it, it was stressful. And, you know, he, but at least he could say, I need to go back to my classroom, which was, mm -hmm. you know, his learning area. Uh, yeah. um, go ahead. It, I'm sorry. Yeah, I appreciate you making that distinction because I think, and this has come up before on the show, but there's a lot of um, discussion of like, you know, is your child verbal or nonverbal speaking or non-speaking? And I think so often we look at that as so black and white, but I think with, you know, communication and language, there really is a lot of gray area. And just like you said, it's like he had the vocabulary, but just like that, that processing and that, you know, um, not not necessarily the ability to talk, but the ability to like have that conversation are really like two different things. You're exact. You're exactly right. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head that, you know, having words is one thing, but um, being able to use them and function in society. And um, are we grateful Alex has language? Of course we are. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we don't know anything different. Yes, it was hard when he didn't have language there, you know, he would bang his head and um, be very frustrated. Um, and I think it's 
it's it was hard in those early years when he had the language and a lot of words a lot more was expected of him on a social level and um even academic functioning level if that makes sense yeah because of his vocabulary um but it it was it, you know, he was often learning several grade levels below because we just had to simplify the materials. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, I was uh, his aide, his one-on-one aide at school. And um, again, and I know this doesn't happen for a lot of people, um, you know, he had his own learning area, which was phenomenal for him. And we were so grateful. And that was the case in high school too. Uh, I, I guess maybe I should back up in, in middle school too. It got difficult. He, he um, in fifth grade, he had received a diagnosis of Tourette syndrome as well. Uh, we had seen early signs of the, of this. We didn't know what it was back in first grade. He blinked his eyes a lot and brought him to the eye doctor. Let's rule out any other things. Uh, we thought maybe it was a stim, Um, Mm -hmm. and it, then it kind of went away. Well, that came back in fifth grade and along with some vocal tics Mm -hmm. and it was like light dawned on me because, um, someone close to me has Tourette syndrome and I, I said, Oh my gosh, I know what this is. (laughs) And went to his doctor and said, gee, I think this is what this is. And she said to me, oh, you're right. Because and it, it was a mild case at that point. Um, and when she would see him, he might not exhibit all of the things that go into having a diagnosis of Tourette syndrome. But in ninth grade, that poor kid, it, it really went out of control. I think uh, it has a lot to do with puberty and all of that mm-hmm. and he was having full body tics and um it's just another thing to add on oh let's add that on to autism too and um how you know I think the the one thing I am grateful for is that um is that he with his autism he didn't know any different and so he, he wasn't embarrassed by it. So we just focused on, um, let's take away the pain that all the full body tics are causing and all of that. He, he didn't have, he didn't have meltdowns over the social impact of it. And we admire him so much for that. Um, and at that time, um, you know, the school understood and he had to kind of take a break from school while he adjusted to new meds and getting ticks under control. And um, as I would hope any school system would. Yeah. Um, that went along with in, in ninth. Um, so let's see, I'm sorry, in ninth grade, by the end of ninth grade, um, we certainly got that his ticks under control and um, you know, that's a whole med thing and um, give him lots of breaks. Um, by the end of his freshman year in high school though, um, he really just was having a very difficult time. Uh, very, very anxious. Anxiety was an, at an all time high and um, couldn't really even walk through the halls. Just, just, having even two or three people saying hi to him was too much. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my husband and I decided that um, it was probably time to homeschool. And it's something that we talked to the special ed director about his whole team uh, about. And we just felt that it would be um, a more calming thing for him. We didn't want to take him out of school completely though by that point he had a job in school where he would deliver teacher mail Uh, we were working with a behavioral consultant the same consultant that 
had really started our ABA programming way back when, in 1998. Mm-hmm. She had um, started her own consulting and she was working with the school and she had always stayed with Alex. And um, so um, she had started a job for him, created a job for him where he would deliver teacher mail. It was a way for Alex to um, meet other people um, and move around the school on his own because we would um, reduce dependence on an aide you know, give him space. And that took many years, but it got to the point where he could deliver the mail on his own. Anyways, um, that's one of the things we asked the school if we could keep. And we, we decided to homeschool him, not because they cannot um, provide him an education, but because we, we felt that um, mental health wise, he was not in a great place. And so they worked with us and um, in the, he was able to, I would bring him every day to do his mail job and he would also work in the school media. And so he still got that exposure to school, but all of his actual academic learning I did at home with him and felt really guilty about doing all of that. I felt like, oh my gosh, we're just taking him away from everybody. And what are we doing? But we just felt, you know, the mental health, his mental health was more important than anything else at that point. After about a year and a half of homeschooling him, um, I was able to sit in the lobby when he would go to do his, his mail job and his job in the library because he was independent. And I knew that enough people knew Alex that if there were any trouble, they would come and get me. Mm-hmm. But more and more, um, probably about halfway through junior year, um, 11th grade, people would come see me in the lobby because they knew I was there. It's a very small town. Mm-hmm. And um, they'd say, Alex just said hi to me. Like he initiated that. Oh my gosh, that's great. And this mm-hmm. is happening more and more often. His former speech therapist at school came to see me. And when she started talking about that, she said, this is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And what we really figured was that the time out of that school environment, it, it, it turned out to be essential for him. Mm-hmm. It calmed him down. And um, he then eventually started asking to go back into school to engage in more activities there. Um, he asked to go back to home ec. He wanted to sew. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I know because he had, he had been in home ec, um, his freshman year and he had gone on the sewing machine. Like I just stood back and <laughs> said to the teacher, this is, this is your deal. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing with that. And it was just a great experience. And he remembered that and he asked to go back and she was wonderful. And we were lucky to have gotten uh, to go back to that teacher because she was retiring after 40 years of teaching. And Alex got to uh, go back in her class before she left. And um, by his senior year, he wanted to participate in senior activities, which he never wanted to participate in school activities. He just didn't. We would create activities for him. Like he worked with uh, back in middle school. He worked with some other um, boys. We would I, I would supervise, and they would uh, do Lego things together after school. And but other than that, he had never really engaged in uh, school activities. And so senior year came and. It took a lot for him. I mean, I was still homeschooling, but um, he wanted to, um, I'll bring it to the week before uh, high school graduation. He wanted to do the special breakfast they were doing. Um, He participated in yearbook. Um, He worked on that all through um, his senior year. Um, And he was great editing on a computer. And so he was put in charge of all the senior picture pages because he had such an eye for detail um, that he could, he could, um, you know, edit layouts. And of course he had guidance from the yearbook advisor. Um, He just, he, he, he pretty much voiced the fact that he felt like, like 
I belong in this class. And which he always did. These are kids that he's known since he was four years old. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, and it's funny, I was thinking about this this morning. I, I didn't cry at Alex's graduation like I did for my older son because I went through all the practices with him, um, all, you know, all the processions and practicing for the graduation ceremony. I think I got all my tears out then. So when it came <laughs> to that, that day, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I think a perfect example of, of just your peers really shaping your, your school years, no matter, you know, whether you have autism or not, um, there was supposed to be a slideshow at high school graduation. And Alex knew that because, you know, you kind of map out a schedule, uh, a, 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 a map out a schedule for him. So he knows what to follow. Mm-hmm. And there was, there was a glitch with the, with the computer and they couldn't have it. And Alex was already sitting in the back bleachers with members of his class. And I was ready to kind of dart back there. And I could hear um, some of the girls who knew him. Oh no, Alex, it's all right. Yeah, no, I don't think that they're going to be able to get that going, but it's okay. We're going to go back to our seats after this. You know, isn't that great? I didn't have to do anything. They were looking out for him. Always, always. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I will never say that the school years were easy, but uh, we also had really great members on Alex's team and people who um, want to give him every accommodation possible. And you really have to think outside the box. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, when in, his aide and the teachers were saying, oh, well, we can bring kids to him so mm-hmm. he's not he's not in a class of 20 kids trying to learn this thing he can learn learn with just a few kids and you know we can try it that way um and that all through school became invaluable um when we had to i hated to do it but we had to take alex out of the the cafeteria at one point in elementary school because naively you think, oh, because they're in the cafeteria, they'll be socializing. Well, it wasn't so for our kid. There was too much going on. And the, yeah. whole, the whole food thing and the whole smells of the cafeteria and uh, volume of the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. So when that happened, his occupational therapist said, hey, why don't we do this thing called Lunch Buddies? And um, we had kids in his class. Like you, it was always voluntary. Hey, anyone want to come eat lunch with Alex? Um, 25 kids were in his class and 25 kids volunteered to do this. Oh, that warms my heart. (laughs) And so we made a, you know, I was in charge of the schedule and I'd leave a note for the, the kid um, each day, like, oh, you're having lunch with Alex today. Um, sometimes they forget and whatever, they're elementary kids and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it's fine. Um, and sometimes we try to, uh, you know, his aide would try to, once they were done eating, it was, it was usually one-on-one or two, two on, you know, two, one friend or two friends with Alex, try to play games. Alex was not a game player, still does not, does not like the game thing. <laughs> and, um, just in any way, try to, you know, engage socially that way. Um, and at recess, Alex would do his thing, but if, you know, other kids would play around him, um, you know, we, we count that as a win because you can't really force it. You can't really force the social thing. I, there's, there's so many things that, that you're sharing that I just love, but one of the things that you said that is really sticking out to me, because this is something that, it comes up quite a bit with, with parents, just like in messages and emails and whatnot. I think when you said you have to kind of think outside the box and something I say a lot is like, we have to meet our kids where they are. And I think that can be really challenging because it's like everyone is in a different spot, you know, but I think like you said, if you can kind of think outside the box and sort of let go of like what you think school is going to look like for your child and really just kind of focus on what they need from school and what's going to most, you know, benefit them. I think that's like the best, the best that you can possibly do 
because I think, yeah, like we, we often do like how you said, like, I, I hated to take him out of the cafeteria, but you knew that was the best thing for him then just like with, you know, homeschool or whatever the situation is. I think if you can find ways to, to get creative and sometimes, yeah, like let go of those things that you, you, you don't want to do these things, but you know, it's like, what's best for them. I think that is like such valuable advice. I, I agree with you as far as meeting our children where they are. I, I have to be completely honest um, that I wasn't like that in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I only knew what I knew. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have tons of information back then. And I, I think I had that vision of school, like, oh, you know, uh, I think a few years with real structure and, you know, things will be, things will be good. And, you know, mainstreamed and that's great. And, and it wasn't so. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm glad that we had very knowledgeable people around us, um, people who have been teaching for a long time, um, who would say, oh, well, like they would never say, oh, it's not going to happen. They would just say, well, let's try it this way. And what do you think of this? And so when you're exactly right, when we met Alex where he was or where we thought he was, you know, sometimes <laughs> we were totally wrong. And <laughs> <laughs> to this day, totally wrong. Um, you know, we, we would do it and we would tweak his programming that way. And um, I, I think people can speak for or against um, small school system um, limits in who provides services. Uh, we really just hit the jackpot, really, truly, and um, are forever grateful that um, <laughs> Alex had so many people, not that kids these days don't have people looking out for them, but in this small environment, you know, everyone's invested. Oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's Alex. And mm-hmm. I've known him forever. And um, probably our favorite thing is um, the year before Alex's prom. So in our town, um, it's the prom is held in different places. But uh, several years it had been held at a small hotel in our town. And they, they run a red carpet. It's really great. And we had gone the year before Alex was graduating. He, of course, he had seen his brother go to the prom and he had seen all of that. And that's great. But um, his brother's two years older. So the year before Alex was going to graduate, we went to see all the kids going in at the prom, you know, because in a small town, that's a big social event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was one young man who was escorting two young ladies up the carpet. And I said to Alex, oh, um, I said, Alex, you know, would you ever want to, you know, would you want to go to the the prom and, you know, go with one or two friends? Oh, no, I I would never go with somebody. I said, okay, you know, just an idea. And then there was another young man who walked by himself up the red carpet. And I thought, oh, I kind of tucked that away. And but we planted the seed for Alex. And the next year, when it got to be that time when kids were, you know, doing the tuxedo thing, picking out tuxedos, I said to Alex, do you want to go to your prom? Well, yeah, but I'm not going with anyone. Okay, (laughs) well, that's fine. Do you want to get a tuxedo? And it was so great that he saw his brother go through all of this. And so we had all of that as, oh, remember when uh, Patrick got his tuxedo and he picked his colors and... Yeah, I would like to do that. Okay. Um, A few weeks before the prom, um, um, the guys in his class were all on board like, oh, yeah, we'll walk up the the carpet with Alex. You know, they'll do it with their dates and then they'll they'll come hang out with Alex and walk up. And but I said, no, it has to be up to Alex. How would that be Alex? Oh, that'd be okay. But then the girls in his class heard that and said, well, no, we're going to walk up the the carpet (laughs) with Alex. Again, we need to ask Alex how he feels. Oh, I would like to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And so we have, um, there were only six girls in his class. 
And uh, it's funny, we joked, we really, the moms back in pre-K would joke like, oh, girls, get your prom dates now because, uh, uh, guys, get your prom dates now because <laughs> there's only six girls. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And um, so I said to Alex G, you know, and I named all the girls. I said, you know, they asked if they could go up the red carpet with you. Oh, great. Okay. So one of the most wonderful memories from that day um besides his brother detailing his own vehicle for eight hours so that he could drive his brother to the prom <laughs> um, was when Alex and big brother arrived. Um, one of the girls said, senior girls to the bottom of the carpet, uh, to the red carpet, Alex is here. And everybody heard that. And it was, it was just like a culmination of, you know, all these kids just always supporting him. And he <laughs> was so proud and he knew, like, oh, yeah, I'm going up the carpet with all these beautiful girls. And uh, w- we have a beautiful picture of that. And I know all of these girls to this day, and they're great human beings. And um, it was a, a wonderful way to cap off his senior year. Oh, I'm not going to lie. That gets me a little teary. Yeah, I'm trying not to over here. Oh, my God. <laughs> what an amazing moment and just memory. Um Oh my gosh. I, I, I love hearing about that so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it, it's just really like one of the natural things that happened because he had grown up with these kids. I, I love that so much. I think just like you said, it's like, there's, there's so much argument like for and against like small towns, big towns. And, you know, it really is just like whatever works best for, for you and your family. But yeah, hearing a story like that, it's like, you can't dispute that. Exactly. No, exactly. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he still, uh, a number of these girls still live in town. And so he will see them occasionally and I'll fill him in. Like um, one just got married and, oh, you know, this one has a child and, oh, okay, mom. <laughs> he's pretty, <laughs> he's pretty matter of fact about it, but um, he'll always remember these kids. And listen, like, you know, the guys had a cool thing that they wanted to do too. They were all going to wear dark sunglasses and that would have been cool, but <laughs> And they're uh, each one of them were wonderful people too, but okay, well, sorry, the girls won. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, Alex made his choice, so <laughs> he he absolutely, he absolutely, and that's the thing, uh, you know. I think that that's very early on. The behavioral consultant said this to us, and it it became so important, and it still is at this point in his life. We have to start giving this child choices. It can't be just one way or another. Like, all right, these are your choices. Even back in elementary school when he would be doing a worksheet, do you want to do numbers one and two or numbers one, two, and three? One, two, and three. It might seem really simple to people, but you can build on that and build on that and build on that. And, And when Alex knew that the ball was in his court, his anxiety levels went down tremendously. And we... To this day, we give him choices about, I mean, everything. I mean, he's fully capable and, you know, he's he's an adult, but um, especially things that might be overwhelming, I give him a choice. I think that that's really great advice. My, my best friend is a therapist, mm-hmm. not not for like, you know, with autism or anything, but that that is something that she always talks about um, just in general, giving giving someone a choice. So it's like you give them like that, that little bit of control. Yes. It's just a really good tool. I agree with you. And we um, loved ones of people with autism need as many tools in the box as we can gather. And I think that, I mean, to this day, we still have pretty structured days. Um, Not like it was when he was little. But I think having all those structured days in the very beginning really helped us to learn how to ease things off for him when the time came. Um, I also feel like that there was so much structure that sometimes Alex can't veer from that. I don't know if that's from the very earliest structure or if that's just part of who he is. Mm-hmm. But we try to plan for that as much as possible. 
and um, we have to go with it. Um, I'm not a really flexible person, (laughs) (laughs) but I guess I would have to say that um, being Alex's mom for 26 years has really helped me to pivot (laughs) when I have to. For sure. I, I can definitely understand that. We we're definitely getting, getting there with time, but I, I did want to hear about what, what your days are like now, what Alex is up to now. Like you were saying before, he's, he's 26. Yeah. So you know, we, we hear often about how after high school, that's when things can really get a little tricky. So what, when you say like your days are pretty structured, what do they entail? So, um, since, um, since his junior year in high school, um, Alex has been cleaning at his dad's office. My husband's office is not even a mile from here. And back then we thought it would be a really good structured kind of, um, thing for him to start in high school in preparation for maybe someday, you know, uh, a job. And he, since then he has been cleaning there for uh, three days a week and the beginning was rough just learning each task and um but as with anything over time he's just he's a pro now um so he cleans at dad's office he was when he was leaving high school he had his final IEP meeting it was the only one he ever went to because the other ones were too long for him And they were ready to wrap the meeting up. And he said, excuse me, I have a question. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Uh, I would like to know if I could continue to volunteer in here we call it the media center. Because he had been doing that since seventh grade also as part of his vocational activities. Uh, He would check in books and he would catalog magazines. And uh, so he wanted to know if he could continue to volunteer. I had already worked it out with the librarian who has been wonderful for so many years um, doing that with Alex. And so we knew that that was a go, but he was talking to the principal and the special ed director and they they all looked at him and said, well, of course, if you want to come back to school. Yeah. And so he'd been doing that ever since he graduated in 2013 and then COVID hit and of course, you know, no extra people were going to be in the building and we didn't feel comfortable either. So um, he was going to go back, but uh, things are still kind of, you know, iffy with COVID. Um, So we're holding off a bit, but he has every intention of going back and um, volunteering um, four days a week in the school media. Wow. That's, I love that. It's like, he has, working with his dad and then like still helping at the school again I feel like it's one of those things where it's like it's got my wheels turning for like thinking outside the box of like what what are the things that our kids are are capable of doing you know when they're adults and it's like what is going to serve them and like give them that purpose um I think you guys are just doing an amazing job Oh, well, thank you. But he's really the one who's doing an amazing job. (laughs) Him too. I mean, like the whole, the whole family unit and team, I I just think the support that you're giving, he's doing an amazing job, but the support that you're giving him is, is pretty special too. Well, thank you. Uh, He's really a a great guy and um, uh, we just love him so much and have seen how far he's come and um, he knows way more than we do. So we're happy to support. I always say that about Logan. I'm like, he's on another level. I'm like, we're <laughs> here. He's, he's somewhere else. And I mean, I just hope to one day I'm never going to get, I'm never going to get to his level, but just to get a little peek at it would be really cool. <laughs> I absolutely agree. 150%. Yes. Well, Lisa, I have so enjoyed chatting with you and just hearing this journey uh, again, like talking to parents who, have a lot more experience than I do under their belt. I just think is so beneficial. And like I said, you have, have my wheels turning on many things, which I just, I'm, I'm sure everyone listening feels the same. And I just really, really appreciate it. And tell Alex that I said hi and that he is just a rock star. I definitely will. And I know he'll be proud to hear that. Thank you so much, Megan. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Lisa. You take care. You too. Bye. Bye. 
Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Lisa. Isn't she just a doll? I really had the best time chatting with her and hearing about Alex and going to prom. I just thought that was like the sweetest story. I mean, there were so many things she shared that I just loved. I loved hearing about everything he's up to now, his job. Just it's it really is. I mean, I love hearing from parents of all different stages, but I think especially when I talk to parents who have, you know, older adult children, I just think it's so interesting and I'm constantly like just listening and filing away these little nuggets of wisdom that I know will come in handy in the future and already do come in handy and it's just, it, it always gets my wheels turning and I'm just so appreciative for, for parents like Lisa sharing, sharing their journeys because, you know, I am just a, a new parent and all this and you know even though we've been at this for a few years I mean we are I say it all the time we're still in like the beginning of our story so there there's still much much more to go and I'm so thankful from parents who have been around the block and are willing to share their wisdom with us. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast, on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. I always love hearing from you guys. If you, like Lisa, are a listener and you've been thinking about sharing your story, you would like to come on this, the podcast and share, I would love to have you. The best way to do that is to send me an email and just give me some backstory, things that you would like to talk about. If you come on the show, I would love to hear from you. Uh, I've been like recording like crazy these last few weeks. Now that the kids are back in school, kind of stockpiling episodes and sort of getting back in the swing of things and I have some really great episodes already kind of in the vault and then a bunch of awesome ones that are scheduled and coming up so super excited but like I said if you're interested in coming on I would love to talk to you so that is all for now and until next time take care